Welcome back, everyone, to the 239th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms and Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Our guest today is a wonderful human being and has so much well-earned wisdom to share with us. She is also a relatable and amazing writer, which you can find in a recently published book, Mom Enough, Inspiring Letters for the Wonderfully Exhausting but Totally Normal Days of Motherhood. I love this quote that went viral. Sometimes you have to let go of the picture of what you thought life would be like and learn to find joy in the story you are actually living. Our guest today, Rachel Marie Martin, is founder of the social media community Finding Joy and author of both Mom Enough and The Brave Art of Motherhood and a founding partner in Audience Industries, a company designed to train and equip entrepreneurs in their ventures. Her articles have been translated into over 25 languages. Her site reaches millions of visitors per month, and she has a robust, engaged Facebook community. Her content has been featured in the Huffington Post, the Today Show, Pop Sugar, Motherly, and many more. She speaks worldwide, encouraging moms and entrepreneurs to live each day with purpose and drive. Beyond that, she's a mom to seven and calls Nashville, Tennessee her home. So welcome, Rachel. Well, thank you. I'm super excited to be here today. Yes. All right. So the first question I ask all my guests is, are you a mom? And if so, what are the ages of your kids? I am a mom. And this is where people are like, what? Um, Because I have many children. Uh, The ages of my kids are from 14 to 20. Oh, I got to think now 28. And they're yes. um, And I have seven that are biologically my own children. And in that seven, um, there are three that are living at home yet. And then I'm also a stepmom, but I like to use the term bonus mom to four more. So my husband and I, there's 11. So Christmas is a little bit crazy. And my daughter got married. So now we're, we're just a dozen of them and oh one my, dog. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So you may know a little bit about being a mother. I have um, many years <laughs> of being a mother. And I, I remember the day when uh, being a mom was more than half my life. I remember thinking, okay, there's a new milestone. Um, but yes, I've, I've had many years of mothering and, and for the rest of my life, mothering. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So I had one daughter and that was plenty. So I... <laughs> the teenage hormones are a lot. There were three of them <laughs> once in that teenage years. And yes, I just, I learned that people ask me all the time, what's the biggest lesson I've learned? And it's about about grace, basically. And the irony of that is my, my third child, her name is Grace. And I think that the universe, God, whatever, all think gives you a child and that name is something that you might need in life. And Grace mm-hmm. has taught me a lot about grace. Mm, I love it. So what made you start writing letters to moms? Uh so I would tell you that I've always been a writer I've in my, and I've always been kind of a dreamer. Um, but I started a website, uh, in the mid two like two thousands. Um, I was on, I don't even know what you say that early two thousands, I guess. Um, I was on a lot of Yahoo groups 
Mm-hmm. And the Yahoo groups, it was when the advent of what a blog was. It kind of evolved from that. And I would just write these long replies to my to my friends in these groups. And they're like, well, you should start a blog. And it was kind of the, okay, the new trendy thing to do. And I've always liked um, the online world. So I started a website, uh, Finding Joy. And then as time went through, I started writing these letters to moms. And one of the first ones was in response to a mom that had written back to me that said, I had written a post like 10 things moms should do or, or ha- make them happy. or, And she said, I love everything that you have in here, but I just feel like I'm failing. And I was like, wow, if she feels like she's failing, and I often feel like I'm, I'm failing at what I'm doing. So I thought I would write her a letter back, like an email response. And that was uh, back when I was back on Blogspot. And there, her response to me was anonymous. There was no email. So I ended up deciding to write the letter and just publish it as this universal letter. And um, I had that little like shaking, which always is a sign to me, like this is probably something that needs to be said, but you're being really vulnerable. And it was called Dear Sweet Mom Who Feels Like She Is Failing. And it went, it went viral back in the early, early ages of things that could go mm. viral. And the lady that had responded to me, her name was Angel. And there was the first comment and it said, I feel like that was written just for me. (laughs) And I remember thinking with my writing style to always write, like I'm having a conversation with you, with another mom, we're just sitting at the table, having Mm -hmm. a real conversation. And that was kind of the birth of the letters that I've written to moms over the last 10 years. Mm. I love that. And I know as a therapist, you know, it's just you're hitting on themes that are really universal to moms. Right, right. The And I think that they're, and well, you know this probably, they're universal and yet we don't talk about them a lot. Right, and for sure. And in that, that not talking about them, then I feel like it perpetuates it. Well, I'm feeling like I'm failing. Am I the only one? Mm-hmm. And by putting it out there, it's almost like a collective sigh to everyone to breathe. The funny thing about that letter was, I had included a picture of my sink and my sink had dishes in it and all of that. And all of these moms were like, that's so brave to share that picture. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, well, we all have messy sinks. And it was really before Instagram and all of that kind of, it was in that super cultured uh, time time of uh, social media. And I just thought, you know, that sink is a sign of normal life. And I really believe that when we normalize the feelings and normalize normal, we just give that again, that collective sigh to the universe of we're doing better than we might think. Mm -hmm. I love working with groups of moms and Mm -hmm. where they can be authentic. Mm -hmm. And I remember listening to one mom and it just struck me about the word was anguish. Mm -hmm. And so I just said, I just hear, you know, a lot of anguish. And I said, I think Moms have so much anguish and no one talks about that. And just, it was like that whole group just went, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the anguish that moms live with often. So just sometimes the written word, just one word can make such a huge difference where moms internalize that and feels, you know, so much shame about 
about having that feeling. Right, right. And I think that that internalization, I love um, that word anguish is so powerful. It's it's, like you said, it's just the word. I know exactly how that feels. And I, I really believe women and moms sometimes put the word just in front of stuff or we, we minimize Mm -hmm. it so that I like, it's so hard to admit that I'm really feeling anguish. So I'm going to make it a little softer. And then when somebody actually says that word of what we're really feeling, then it's that, how does she know what I'm feeling? And then that's the part where there can be healing or we can have a conversation about that word. Um, I've always said that Sometimes with worry, we worry that we're worrying too much. And then it just creates this cycle of I'm worrying that I'm worrying that I shouldn't be worrying. And then it just keeps going and it's a snowball. And I like to write. I like to share those spots, those feelings where in the beginning, it's this universal. We're feeling anguish or failing or I've lost that spark, but it's we're not staying there. I really think it's important. And I, I with all my with all my letters, I think, does this give us hope or momentum or does it just keep us kind of feeling stuck in that spot? And there's a lot that I've written that just kind of stays sitting in the drafts just because of that process that I go to with, I really want moms to know that what they're feeling matters and Mm -hmm. also that they can make even just the smallest mindset shift or smallest thing can make a huge difference. Mm. I love that. That's so important. Because I think moms can get stuck in something like resentment or cynicism, but that mm-hmm. just doesn't take you anywhere. But you're right. So, so there's a, so even just naming the word like anguish, there's almost like, it's like resiliency, it's strength, it's like, like, um, I respect myself more because of, of what I've, I've gone through. There's, uh, being seen, you know, and all of that. So yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I love that this being seen. I think, uh, I really believe that we're more connected than ever, but more lonely than ever in some mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And your idea, the truth of being seen is powerful. It's really an important, um, part of motherhood because so often what we do, we feel unseen in our journey. Mm-hmm. We feel we're the only one. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that word seen. Yeah. And I listened to one mom who's in my office and she was telling me there was a group of moms and it was someone came and said, you know, blah, 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 someone's vaping. And then it was like this, like there was judgment And so these moms are like, who was it? Who was it? And there was this finger pointing at who, who was, who was the kid in the car who was vaping? And it was all these moms were wanting to throw that one kid under the bus. And I think, I think so many times moms are feeling like we don't want to be judged and there's so much judgment. So then that they're like, like hiding behind that. And so, so they aren't seen because of the fear of being judged. Right. Uh, I, I do believe that's why that initial post was anonymous or 
I will get many, many messages that will say, I, I wanted to comment on your post, but I'm afraid of being judged or I don't want other people to see, or this is my story. They'll send me these private messages about that part of their life where, because the judgment part, it's so deep and it's so, it's so raw. And I've really worked hard um, to create a space that cultivates honoring each other's individual stories without comparison, where you can look at somebody's story and be proud of what they're doing or meet them where they are or all of that. But without that judgment, because I feel like the judgment really holds us all back and it's, and it teaches the next generation that it's okay to be that, to judge. Don't say stuff because you could be judged. Don't, don't open up about your feelings because you could be judged. And then we're all walking around kind of like tightly coiled springs because we, I don't want to say something. I don't want to be the one person. And then yet we celebrate um, when that person, when somebody speaks up or somebody says it. And it's again, that collective sigh of, okay, all right, I'm not alone in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and the judging part, that's, that's, I've, I've always told my kids that you're a reflection of the five people that you hang out with. Like mm-hmm. spend, spend a lot of time that with those are your core people. And for moms too, I really, and really believe it's important to have that core, that solid group that can say, listen, they can say that, but you don't have to, you don't have to take it on as your truth. Because I think that's part of the thing is if, if we're just accepting the judgment as a fact without mm-hmm. that, that moment of pause, like, no, that isn't it. Or perpetuating the cycle of judgment. So I, I really think it's important once that starts even to redirect or refocus or to change the conversation from judging yes. to grace. Yes. Yeah, this woman just, my client walked out of the room. Mm-hmm. And then several of them just called and apologized. Um, not all of them did. But it's just easy to get caught into something like that. But I loved loved your expression, the collective sigh. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So you have written way more than one letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of these letters ended up in a book, right, called Mom Enough? They did. They did. I've probably written over the course of everything close to 75 to 100 letters. And we cultivated and culled it down. And we took the letters that got shared. There's one in there that's been shared well over 2 million times. And we just put them into a book because um, I, that's what I kept getting asked for. Hey, do you have your letters in a book? I want to give them to a friend. Do you have it? And there's a certain point where you either listen to the universe and say, I think that should be what I should be doing, or you just ignore it. And it was that, okay, this is what's being asked right now. Okay. I love that. And so I'm curious, which is the one that was shared 2 million times? It's the letter called Why Being a Mom is Enough. And it was, um, I, I've been writing, I've been writing my website for a, a good five years. And as a writer, sometimes, you know, you just kind of go through that process of what should I write about or what is what's resonating. And I tend to have a lot of life experiences that most of the time, what I need to write about becomes very evident to me. And I remember that day I was just sitting, I was sitting in a Starbucks, uh, trying to write and 
I just was going back and forth and I was just told, well, why don't you just write about why being a mom is enough? And I did. And that letter, I, it's, it's interesting when you get into that spot where it's the sweet spot where you don't have the, uh, the, the judging of your own self on. I just wrote the letter. It took me about maybe 20 to 25 minutes, wrote it, lightly edited it, published it. And it was that it was, it was like, it, it became its own entity at that point. And I, re- I believe it's because it was from that guttural raw place of my heart mm-hmm. that I didn't think to myself, well, maybe you should change that, or maybe it should be this. And it just was instead that emotion about what I was feeling in that spot. Mm, I love it. So do you have a favorite letter yourself that you wrote? I do. I do. It's um, to the mom, you are stronger than you think. Um, And I wrote that letter really to myself. And I had gone through a really challenging divorce uh, around 10 years ago. And when you shake up your normal, and especially me prior to it, because I was really good at making everything seem like it was a certain way. And so for the outside world, everybody was like, they just thought, what has happened? Um, You're in a midlife crisis. There's all this. I felt the judging and I was quickly um, a single mom had to provide for my provide everything. And I was absolutely exhausted. I was exhausted from taking care of everybody, my everything going up in kind of chaos. And I was, I was tired too of feeling like I had to defend everything and prove everything. And it talked about the strength that a mom has. And it was often the strength that nobody sees, like the strength of tucking your toddler in after one of the hardest days of your life and the strength of sitting in the car. It was just the everyday little moments that we that don't get seen or don't get recognized and it talked about how that was incredibly strong and it ended with I'm so proud of you Mm. and we tell our kids you know I'm really proud of the Mm. way you made that decision and um you know when my mom even now that last year I, I ended up making this running goal of running from my house in Nashville the the distance from my house in Nashville to my parents house in Minneapolis And I would plot this and over months and months, I would plan this running that I had to do. And every month I would get a milestone and over Thanksgiving, when it was the 899 mile that I was running, I saved it. So I would run the last half a mile from the entrance to my parents' neighborhood to their driveway. And the most powerful moment for me was, it was freezing because it's Minneapolis. So it's like 20 something degrees. I'm I'm huffing and I get around and my mom is standing on the sidewalk with her camera there waiting for me. And like, I just, it gets me teary thinking about it. And I run up to her and I, and I say, hi mom. And I give her a hug. And I thought that is such a picture of motherhood. Mm, she I love it. came outside and stood there and celebrated and was there for me. It didn't matter that it was 20 degrees. It was, she was there. And mm-hmm. that's, um, that to me is resilience and strength. It's just, mm-hmm. sometimes we just don't see it. Yeah. So in my second book, Dial Up the Dream, Make Your Daughter's mm-hmm. Journey to Adulthood, the best for both of you, I have a section in there, um, <clears throat> which is around, about the mom story. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I think there's a time there's a, kind of the mom crisis, and that's kind of a negative story about your life. And then, so, yeah, I lead moms through a process 
exactly what you're saying of helping them recognize I was strong. There is gold in the hard, you know, and when we see what a rock star we actually are, because I think so much, I think so often moms, we feel like we're not doing enough. We're not getting everything done. There's just more to do. But, and so we don't, I love that chapter because I think we don't stop and go, whoa, Mm -hmm. how in the heck could I have gone through that season of life? How how have any of the moms out there gone through COVID? Right. You know, right. With their kids and all the chaos from that, you know? Right. Yeah. My husband and I have been watching um, on Apple TV, The Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston. Mm-hmm. It's about a news. And this last season, there was a section where they kind of delved into COVID. And it was shocking to me the trauma that I just felt even just watching it. I, and I felt like my story was relatively small, like simple in that, even though it was so challenging. And I thought as a universe, as a society, as the, the collective whole again, I thought, wow, what we have, what, what we went through mm-hmm. and we're still like trying to, to process. And then even our children, I, I look back to, all of that. And it just gives me that, that grace again for our human story, for mm-hmm. all of us, this idea of being kindness, uh, being kind or pausing and saying thank you and all of that. Because for me, it was shocking to see how quickly what was normal could be taken away and then how yeah. much we all wanted normal again, just the normal stuff. And that to me with even motherhood is there are so many days that are just, it's just normal drudgery and all of that. And one of the letters that I wrote, I wrote it after, um, I mean, it's a horrible, it was a horrible time. It was after that awful school shooting in uh, Connecticut years ago. Mm. And it was a day where I was just kind of grumbling. I had cleaned my, my boy's room was, I cleaned it the day before and it was super messy. And I came in there and I was just grumbling and grumbling and I remember taking the vacuum thinking, I'm going to just vacuum up all the Legos and all of that. (laughs) And my son, Caleb, was in first grade at that point. And I looked over at him and he kept asking to help. And I was just still like, no, I'm going to do it myself. And then it just, it was like a wave hit me. And I thought, oh my gosh, there are so many moms and those parents would do anything for a first grader saying, let me help. And I thought, what a gift vacuuming is in this moment. And I decided that vacuuming to me was a symbol of the beauty of normal that I was going to benchmark when I got to vacuum, that it means life is normal. And when we don't have normal, we want normal. And Mm -hmm. I challenged moms to take something that simple or even annoying or frustrating and to make it a gift. Like this is what we all will want when we don't have those moments and, um, that letter means a lot to me too. It still gets me choked up thinking about that because, you know, just the simplest things in life are really the things that we, we cherish the most. Yeah. I just saw a couple today and, um, they have, you know, friends and family in Israel Mm -hmm. and, Mm. This couple had been fighting a lot, but they were great today. <laughs> right, right. 
And it's the whole normal thing is, is they, and they said, I, we realized we don't have real problems. Right. Right. And they just kind of dropped a lot of the things they were bickering about. Right. Yeah. I I've gone through moments in my life with, um, kids in the hospital or different things where the, the, whatever issue it was before just drops away. And I've always remembered um, and maybe it was a counselor that I went to once giving the example of you could be in the worst, you know, fight in the world and everything's horrible. And then the phone could ring and it says you've won a million dollars and it would, all of that will just instantly go away or something else. And I try to keep that perspective. Um, that's to me, a lot of um, gratitude. That's the, that is really the finding joy part of my website. It's that idea of joy and happiness are different. And it was about, I'm going to look for something good in my life that I appreciate. Even if everything is as messy as it could be, there's still going to be something that's good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of how I decided that I wanted to live um, probably about 14 years ago now. Mm, I love that. Do you think any stage of motherhood is harder than others? I think that the stages are always, um, no. And I, this is why, because I think we judge. I think we compare. I think that when we're, we have toddlers for the first time, it's the first time we've had toddlers and we don't know what to do. And when we have a middle school for the first time, we don't know what to do. And, um, when we have a high schooler, it's the same thing. So I, I always shy away from saying one stage is harder than the other. And I always tell people like, Never to say to kids, you know, if they have little kids, just wait till they're teenagers. Because then it Mm -hmm. kind of sets up this idea like, oh, it's going to be rough. I think that for whatever stage you're in, each stage presents its own unique challenges. And whether it's when they're young, your job, when they're under two, it's really you're keeping them alive. Don't run in the street. Don't touch the stove. Don't do that. And when it's when they're in high school or older, it's loosening the grip, letting go trusting and then being there when they need you. Um, so I, all of motherhood to me is a, it's kind of a, a roller coaster of emotions. And even when they're grown, um, they still need you. I, and Mm -hmm. I know as a mom, I've, I've, I've shown up in the middle of the night before when they need me. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 What is one way moms can make sure to give back to themselves every single day? Doing one thing every day that makes them happy um, or puts a smile on their face. Uh, I really, I think it's very easy to forget about yourself in the motherhood journey. It's very easy to burn out. And it's very easy to all of a sudden look in the mirror and think, I'm a really good mom, but I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And I had that. I've known people that have gone through that. And I've been on a mission um, for the last probably six, seven years to be the one that says you don't have to forget about your own self in motherhood. And I believe it's a huge gift to our kids when they see us happy doing things that we love too. Mm -hmm. It teaches Mm -hmm. them this is important. Like my parents invested in piano lessons for me since I was a young girl. I played piano, I took piano lessons all through high school. And my kids actually, they love to hear me play the piano because it's not about motherhood. It's not about chores. It's something that's unique to me. So even if it's, if you've got young kids, that thing that makes you happy might be sitting with a cup of tea for five minutes. 
And if it's older, it'll be different. So I never say this is what you should do because again, it depends upon which space you're in and what your life story looks like. I love that. Yeah. When my daughter was little, I would play guitar every night and I would mm. write songs and just sing and sing. So that would be that became something that her and I like to share uh, in terms of going to listen to music. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So that was her normal was that and that was a that was a happy thing for me is to play the guitar. Which That's I'm so sure. Good. Yeah. So what are some other things that you did for yourself every day to give mom some uh, ideas? Uh, well, I would. Well, a very simple thing when my kids were little is if it was a day where I thought I, I would get something at Starbucks and I would take the long way home and I would listen to the, listen to music. And it was, it seems like, oh, what small, but it was just that I gave myself 10 extra minutes of before the chaos happened. Um, as the kids got older, I would start to get up before they got up because the crazy, okay, we got to get up and get going was too much from who I was created to be. I recognized I needed that little bit of space. And then I also really recommend, um, having a space in your house that is just, it's what you want. Um, that's nice. That's, or clean, or that you identify, like for me, um, in my house in Minnesota, if the kitchen counter got messy, it was like a green light for the entire house to go like, whoa, the counter's messy. And that would make me agitated. So every day I would guard that space. I'd, I'd take five minutes, make sure it was clean because I knew that was the tipping point to chaos. So for me, taking care of myself meant understanding the tipping points that could lead to me feeling overwhelmed or frazzled. Mm, that's such a great example for sure. So your viral quote, sometimes you have to let go of the picture of what you thought life would be like and learn mm -hmm. to find joy in the story you are actually living. Mm -hmm. So what inspired that and how does that relate to moms? So that was inspired um, by when you go through a divorce, the kids don't know exactly the story, right? And you try to protect them. And mine was really messy and really complicated. And, um, and it's confusing for the kids. And it was on the day that my oldest son decided he wasn't going to come back to live with me in Nashville. And I was devastated. And he was going to stay in Minnesota. And I was devastated. It was one of the hardest moments of my life. But in that moment, I thought, okay, this is what needs to happen for his story now him and we went through this period of estrangement and him and I are at this really good place right now but in that moment it was never what I had planned like I would say whoever puts in their yearbook you know what I think will be fun is someday I'm going to go through divorce we never plan those moments and yet as devastating as that was in the very moment I could hear my other kids and I knew I needed to figure out how to rise up and make lemonade out of lemons. Cause I did not, I'd never, I never thought that would be my story that I would have to experience the, the word anguish. When you wrote anguish, that was deep anguish. I remember thinking, um, in that same year I was, uh, I was on a segment on the today show and my agent had said to me, Hey, you know, be really cool is get your picture where it says today is and the date. And I took, I looked and I saw the picture and it was his birthday. And I took the mm. picture and I thought, 
everybody's going to see this picture and just see what an amazing moment. And for me, it was the dichotomy. It was both. It was both and both anguish and sadness and grief and on top of the world. So I, I wrote about that too. I wrote about those places like where you just see the snapshot and you don't know behind the scenes. And I thought this is really important. And in sharing my process of estrangement and all of that, it was shocking to me the number mm. of moms and dads and grandparents and people that just came out of the woodwork sharing their stories about that mm. and saying they just, it was so good to feel like they weren't alone and that this was a place to share. And that to me is devastatingly hard as it was working through that, that time. Um, that was the start. That was where that quote started from. Mm, that's powerful. <clears throat> so one of your chapters is called <clears throat> motherhood is not for wimps. <laughs> <laughs> right. So tell me about that chapter. Um, well, I'm not even sure how that title came about the chapter heading. I think my editor and I were working about on it and I think that going, sometimes we're just like, we're not able to see our strength. Sometimes I don't real, I believe we don't see like, you can't wimp out of doing something when you're a mom. Like if someone's throwing up at 2am, you're up at 2am. You're, you're the one that's doing that at that moment. If they need you uh, to wait in the car while they're at soccer practice, you're going to do that. And it's not something in that way of like, well, I'm not going to do that today. There's no, I was joked. There's no white towel. There's no flag of surrender. Like, okay, I'm done at this mm -hmm. moment. So that, that process of it, it's really the opposite of it. I tell moms all the time, you should get a gold star. We give our kids mm -hmm. gold stars, like way to go. You, you, you know, you completed the potty chart. Here's a gold star. And I, I really believe that it's that's what we need is it's the gold star. You did not wimp out today. You did all that you needed mm -hmm. to do. Well, I laughed when I saw that chapter because I say that to my clients all the time. Right. <laughs> that's funny. That's so good. <laughs> it's really true. All right. So what would you say to moms of tweens? So one of your chapters is when parenting isn't cute anymore. It isn't. Uh, I, well, it's just not, but especially in a social media world where mm -hmm. when they are little, they are the cutest things. You can put like cute crafts and they get ready for Halloween and mm -hmm. all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it's just like, it's just messy and it's quiet. That's the other part is the teenage and tween years. It's, and I call it the, the loud silence because it's so silent that the silence sometimes can be so loud in the absence of it. Um, the thing with tweens is as hard as it is, remember your own story. It's this for them. It's this dichotomy of moving from childhood to being older. And I have this really vivid memory of being maybe 11, 12, maybe even older. And it was my Barbies deciding should I play with them or should I not? Or, and then part of me wanted to, and then I thought, well, you're too old too. And then, then I'd be, oh yeah, that's, you're too old. And I would just go back and forth. And if we can remember, there's that like almost separating of childhood for them at the same time, it will give us the grace that they need 
because I really do think that we're their safe spot. We are the, the constant, the person they can come to, the person that's got their back, the person that's not going to leave. And sometimes when you're the safe spot, it means there's a little bit more resistance. It means that the, the guard that they have to go through the world with is down. And I've always thought, okay, I'm telling myself grateful to be the safe spot because that's what we are. Mm. Really well put. So what lessons have you learned as the mother of teenagers? Similar as that, uh, teenagers to me, it's really letting go um, and giving them the chance to, and I think this is for all of childhood, giving them the chance to, to navigate the world on their own. Um, you think, I think back to when I was young and this goes for tweens too, but I, I think back, like, let's just talk about school grades. Uh, my parents knew mid quarter and the quarter, what my grades were. If there was a problem, the school might call and say, Hey, Rachel needs a little help with that. Nowadays, because of technology, I can look and see what their grades are constantly updated. And if I'm constantly like watching that, I'm not giving them the space to fix it. Like I knew when I was in high school, boy, I better get my act together. I do not want my parents to see this. And it was, I, I was allowed to, to figure it out. I, I really believe our teens need that space of figuring it out. And my husband and I, I, they have, I, I just call it like this fenced area. You can, you can navigate the world in this area. There's still boundaries because you're living at home and, but don't go beyond it. And if like something happens, maybe the fenced area gets smaller versus the opposite of complete. Okay. Where are you right now? Checking in, um, that constant, um, and I'm going to use the term mothering over them, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though that's what we are as mothering is just the, the mothering. The irony today, I was at uh, my son's senior pictures and I was, you know, watching, you just watch all the moms and there was this one mom and I just thought, well, maybe this is just the nature. She was like fixing like, you know, the tongue and fixing her son's hair and all of that. <laughs> and I thought, maybe this is just who they are. And he lo- he seemed to love it. But I remember thinking there is this moment of letting go, like, it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not judging that mom. And it's not, uh, and it's figuring out maybe this is the point where she is in that story. And, you know, when they're young, you hold their hand for everything. Um, I remember holding my newborn's hands and then holding their hands crossing the street and then holding their hands. And then teenagers are, letting go of that grip and letting them know that that hand me as their mom, it's always there. If they need me, they can grab onto it whenever they can when they need to. But right now I'm going to let them go so that they can do this on their own. So true. I'm laughing about that. The online grades for moms. Mm -hmm. I mean, that has in my practice that has like started so many fights you know, because mm-hmm. you're exactly right. They'll go, well, you have a bunch of zeros. And like, well, mom, I haven't turned my homework in. So right. it just gets the moms panicked. And so I, I, that's so well said. It's like giving them some space to, to figure it out. And part of it's technology. I've talked with my kids about it. Like the teachers don't put the grades in. And mm-hmm. then it pops up that it's, it's just this perpetual cycle of anxiousness Yes. So, and yes. I, I want my kids to not have that too. Uh, 
that anxiousness of it's fluctuating, fluctuating, like just to be able to breathe and actually enjoy the process as much as they can of school without mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that pressure on them at all times. All right. So the last question. Okay. So what lessons do you have for 20 somethings? Um, to be there, uh, to, to check in in the way that makes the most sense. Um, my oldest and I check in every day by playing Wordle. Sometimes it leads to a conversation and sometimes it leads to just sharing the score. And for me, it's not, it's not that overpowering. It's coming underneath and being there when they need me and all of that. Um, my one daughter, uh, she's in the military right now, her and I, she'll send me TikTok videos, like, and it'll be like, oh, I just love this video and whatever it is, it's connecting them with them where they are, but not needing to, um, overpower. Um, I think it's, it's that space that twenties are that space of figuring it out and starting your own chapters and all of that. And I've been, I'm so grateful for all the times when they get together, like this last summer, um, we went to the lake in Minnesota and most of my kids were there. And I remember thinking, embrace this moment because mm-hmm. there are not there many of these. So I would just kind of sit there and watch them as I flipped dozens and dozens of hamburgers for them and they kept <laughs> eating, but just trying to be thankful mm-hmm. that they appreciated family enough to come from all over the country to come up to this resort cabin that I've been going to since I was a child with my parents who were who were there at that time and spend time together. And those are the moments that matter the most to me when they're in those in their twenties. Mm. Yeah. One of my guests, Sandra Stanley, talked about parenting with the relationship in mind. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what you're talking about is is you want to parent with the relationship in mind because you want your young adults to want to hang out with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful for that when they just say, hey, oh, the, um, you want to go get coffee with me? My daughter that lives in Nashville and all of that. I love those moments. I love that time of I'm not going to rush through this time. It's kind of like when they were young and you would say, let them end the hug. When they're older, I try to like if it's FaceTime with one of them, I try to let them end the FaceTime, even if I have mm-hmm. a, different things to do because it's them and me. And it's, it's that same kind of concept. And it takes the, like, what was I going to do anyway? Go do the dishes. So I can certainly <laughs> have a moment where I can FaceTime. Yes. So any last advice for the moms listening? Uh, I would say to know that you're enough. Um, that's been a huge theme in my entire writing journey. You're enough on the days when you feel like you might not be enough and you're enough on the days, like you're going to have the top of the world days. Uh, I always tell people like when you have that most awesome day, get a red pen out or put it in your your notebook, circle the day on your calendar and write good day or put a gold star because the chances are you're going to have a day where you question, am I, am I doing this right? Uh, And you forget and to remind yourself that there can be those good days. And then in the process of knowing that you're enough, uh, really celebrate the gifts of the everyday, the normal things. Um, just to have a moment where you're like, you know what, I'm thankful that it's sunny today. Or 
I'm thankful the kids love this spaghetti or whatever it would be because that gratitude, um, it's, it's perspective. Mm. Love it. So how can the moms find out more about you or get a copy of your new book? You can find me, uh, most moms, most people find me on Facebook. Uh, I'm at finding joy blog on Facebook. So if you just type in finding joy and you can put blog, but you'll see me pop up, uh, my, my site, or you can go to findingjoy.net and then mom enough. It's available wherever books are sold, books a million, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Uh, and, um, yeah, I'd be super grateful. Those letters, they're really heartfelt. And I just wrote them and want to, to encourage moms everywhere to know, you know, you are, you are totally enough. And the book is meant to be like that friend when you're feeling like, wow, I'm failing. There's, there's a section on that or mm-hmm. the teen years. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. I'm really grateful that it got put into a hard copy. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful book. Thank you. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I really enjoyed my time with you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.